welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David, how's it going? All right, how's it going with you? Not bad. How's our levels? Are our levels doing all right? <laughs> you see me staring concerned <laughs> with a concerned look on my face. Exactly. At the levels. We doing all right? I guess. It will be fine. Okay. Um, all right, so uh, this is episode... 53. Right now, the listener who is listening to an incredibly quiet episode and going, no, they're not going to be fine, and they don't know it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, once again, I'll go ahead and, and uh, bring the listener in. Once again, we're, we're in, a, in an odd space, but, you know, this is not our usual. Emotionally. Yeah, well, that as well. I mean, how could you not be? What with all the deaths? <laughs> all right. Uh-huh. Um, First, there is Anthony Minghella, who died at the very young age of, he was like 54. Yeah. It was very unexpected. I think it was like a, like a hemorrhage or, or something like that. And, uh, and that's, quite, uh, that's quite tragic. Like, you know, I, I thought that he was a good director. I didn't care for Cold Mountain that much. Uh, I thought English Patient was, was good, not great. Uh, but as you know, David, I love the talent of Mr. Ripley. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's just a, anytime a, a director passes away it's a shame but especially one who was so young that you know it's like oh he was gonna make he, he was gonna make good stuff again you know what i mean yeah. like he was gonna he's probably probably had what like maybe probably seven or eight more movies in him and i'd say did good you per- see breaking and entering i saw part of it my wife uh was watching it and uh, what i saw was pretty good um he's very he's he's absolutely an actor's director and uh and that's a movie that Kind of felt like closer a little bit, um, but a little more muted, not quite as theatrical. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just a. You know who saw Breaking and Entering? Who who was that? Mike Tyson. <laughs> That's right. I worked with I worked with the Arcade <laughs> at the time, and, and uh, yeah, Mike Tyson in his face tattoo came in to see <laughs> Breaking and Entering. <laughs> with like, he came in with it's like, I remember this like this twenty five year old sort of hipster white dude and they okay. came in to see Breaking and Entering and then as they as, as they were leaving I might have told this on the, sh- on the show before but as they were leaving um, who was it? It was um, it was Reverend Run okay and Russell Simmons Russell Simmons okay came in together <laughs> alright <laughs> and they were coming in to see another movie uh, like they were coming in, to, and they were like at the at the concession stand as as uh, Mike Tyson and his and his hip white friend were leaving. Right, and uh, Reverend Run and Russell Simmons were like overcome with like, holy shit, that's Michael, Ty- that's Mike Tyson. I went up and talked to him. <laughs> Did they call him Michael Tyson <laughs> because they got the they have respect for him? Yeah. Now, do you think his hip white friend was hanging out with him ironically, uh, <laughs> where it's just like I'm not actually his friend, but isn't this awesome? Um, so okay. <laughs> I like your. I love your stories of like who sees what and when, um, but uh, what does that mean? Well, just you know, and with who you know, just like when you when you worked at the ArcLight, just yet it was always an interesting blend of people coming in to see a movie you wouldn't expect. Uh, oh, you mean like when uh, what was it? It was like LeVar Burton yeah. and Common <laughs> met with their kids to see the last Mimsy. I think exactly, like exactly. Um, but uh, thank you for coming up with an example right away. Uh, that I, you know, proved my point because um, I couldn't. Um, but yeah, so Anthony Minghella, it really it bummed me out a lot when I heard about it. Um, and then what bummed me out, I'd say even more. But you know, when when somebody has passed away and they're much older, then it's like it's like okay, well, it's expected. But uh, Paul Schofield passed away. He was eighty six. Um, and uh, I, I hope you want to get into talking about like whose death makes us more upset. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, it's but it's like you know, Paul Schofield was semi-retired at that point, so it's like it, I'm bummed out that he passed away. But it's one of those things where it's just like he wasn't going to be doing a lot more. Whereas Anthony Minghella, from on that, you know, on that level, I'm bummed so out like that he impact, passed away. Impact on the film world, exactly, exactly. That said, Paul Schofield still bums me out because he was. He was a great actor. He didn't. He doesn't have a very. Uh, he doesn't have a very big filmography. Um, he was because, a stage actor mostly, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but and I've only seen him in like three or four things. But he's he's great in it. I mean, he just exudes intelligence and integrity. And like when he played, have you seen uh, A Man for All Seasons, David? Yeah, we watched it together. Did we? You and I. 
holding hands. You don't remember this? I guess <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It, it was a rainy night in Chicago. <laughs> we decided, let's just stay in it. We had gotten all dressed up <laughs> to go out to dinner, and we just decided, let's stay in and watch a movie. I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> all the fake... Uh, Gay stuff aside, I don't remember that at all. I remember only seeing it twice. Huh. Are you sure? Okay, is Robert Shaw in it? Yes. He plays King Henry VIII? Yes. Yeah, I've seen that okay, movie with right, you. Fair enough. <laughs> um, anyway, but... Uh, and, of course, in that movie, I mean, he, that's the movie that he won an Oscar for, and he had made that role famous in the stage play. And um, and he's just a, he's just amazing in it. Like, it's just... The thing, of, the thing about Paul Schofield is, like... And this is going to sound kind of abstract, David, so bear with uh-huh. me. He's the kind of guy, he seemed like the kind of guy that if you knew him in life, you're like, I really want him to respect me. Like, <laughs> w- like, when, like if you were to hang out with somebody that is a professional comedian or something like that, like, and if you make them laugh, you're like, all right. And you're happy for like a week. <laughs> but like, like if Paul Schofield like said, like, you, sir, are an idiot, I'd be like, oh, I must be. If he says that I'm an idiot, I must That's be. That's like one time I was hanging out with Paul McCartney, and I just, like, <laughs> off the top of my head, wrote a brilliant song. <laughs> yeah, I was happy for, like, a week. <laughs> Maybe even a week and a half. Well, you know, <laughs> go ahead and pat yourself on the back. But, um, but yeah, so Paul Schofield was wonderful in... Uh, in uh, Man for All Seasons, and he's really great in Quiz Show. That's where that's the first thing I saw him in, and I was just like, "Who is this guy?" He's like, he really fascinated me, and I wish that I had seen uh, his king. What you said? I wish that I had seen. I wish that I had seen <laughs> his King Lear on the stage. <laughs> By he's the a way, good I d- King Lear. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful. It makes me cry. Um, <laughs> so David, of course, pointing out that on the list of accents that I can do, Italian, not one of them. Um, although I can apparently do a Roberto Benigni impression, who basically is a stereo, you know, a, a right caricature himself. A living um, stereotype. Although but we got, you know, we got actually some uh, when I when I talk shit about Roberto Benigni. Yeah, we got a lot of emails setting me straight. Exactly. So exactly. This might. This is a little bit of a of a of a correction. Speaking of getting emails, okay, I have gotten more responses to Viggo Mortensen's fourteen year old <laughs> date to the Oscars than I have gotten to any other single thing that I have said on this show. I know it's it's fascinating. Well, I guess people just they just rush to his side because they don't want to make him sound. They're like, hey, 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 we're gonna stop you right here. I don't want you thinking of Viggo Mortensen as some kind of pedophile or something. Which yeah. you know what? Here's what I'll say. That may be. That may have been his niece. I'm not ruling out the pedophile thing. Yeah. Maybe not with his niece, but just in general. So there's something going on with that guy. I think he's a great actor, but mm, I don't trust him. I I, I generally um, I've gotten to a point in my life where I assume that anyone who makes art that I love, yeah, be it film or music <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> probably just insufferable to be around. <laughs> I probably would not like the person. That's true, um, and it is kind of a shame. Like. Uh, I've lived here long enough now that uh, I, if I see a celebrity that I respect, just at a, you know at the store, for example, Jen and I were at Ralph's today and saw Steve Carell walking around, and and I think he's amazing. But it's like you know what I'm just, I like I've become one of those people now that it's just like oh hey look at that, and then just move on and look for eggs or whatever the hell I'm buying. Yeah, um, it does become like at first when I when I first moved here. Um, you know, I got to. Uh, I, I, I was thinking, will I ever become jaded? Will I ever, will I ever not care? Right. That I see celebrities all the time. Yeah. It doesn't go that far. Yeah. Because you still care. Of course. But it doesn't, like, affect your whole. Exactly. Uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Well, like, uh, you don't. You don't. Like, if you're, you know, shopping at a Ralph's and, like, you see somebody, it's not like you change your trajectory so that you're just kind of. So that you can, like, keep. Looking at them or right. keep seeing them, which you them kind or of maybe would have done when you first moved. Yeah, here. possibly. I, I, like, like, okay, here, here's an example. Just fairly recently, I was eating at the uh, uh, at the 101 Cafe, okay. uh, featured in Swingers. That's right. Um, and uh, a couple tables over from me, uh, he was in a booth. The booth opposite me was okay. Ryan Gosling and somebody oh, right. else. And now, now Ryan Gosling is you know Academy Award uh, nominee. He's right. um, you know he's a really big name. Yeah. Uh, and I was and just, a good actor on top yeah, of that. And yeah, and so I was sitting there with a girlfriend. I was like, "Yeah, look over there, it's Ryan Gosling." You yeah. Know? Now go back in time two and a half years. Yeah. To the first time I went to I went to a party up in like the uh, uh, I don't know up in the hills somewhere, uh, 
and Erica Christensen was in the room. The she of traffic and oh, swim yeah, fan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I couldn't fucking get over it. Like, well, it would, especially no one there that I was there with knew who Erica I was the only person who in my group that knew who Erica Christensen was. So I what? tried to point it out. No one cared. So the rest of the night, I was just like, Erica Christensen is in the fucking room <laughs> here. Yeah, it's. It, <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. Well, exactly. And, and I get. And the reason that I brought it up is just like, I have like a little mental list of people that if I see them. I have to say something, you know? I mean, just uh-huh. there are plenty of actors out there that I think, oh, that guy is great, I love him, but I'm just going to leave him alone. But there are others that I, that I think, you know what, that person is so good and the work that they've done is so strong that it actually Im- influenced me as a movie guy and as a, probably as a person, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's a big thing. It's, it's, uh, to me, it has less to do with just overall respect and like yeah. more to do with personal like, right. influence, you know? Like, I... You know, working. I mean, I've seen I've seen celebrities outside of the ArcLight, but working at the ArcLight, I saw a lot of them. Right. And so I generally wouldn't talk to them. You know, Ray Liotta, give him his his uh, his coke. Dwight right. Yoakam, give him his coke with lots of ice. Lots of ice. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the aforementioned Lavar Burton, I yeah. had to say something because uh, Lavar yeah. Burton meant a lot. You know, Reading Rainbow was a huge, it, very yeah. influential for me. Well, and but part of me, like part of me, is concerned. Like, let's say Orson Welles was still alive. He would be one of the people that I that I would be like, oh, I've got to say something to Orson Welles. But I'm almost positive he'd react kind of dickish. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's just like, and so I'm just concerned. I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk to Robert Duvall anymore because what if he's a jerk? <laughs> you know, I was watching. Um, now, Steve Carell, on the other hand, has a reputation for being a nice guy. Yeah, and, and so I'm sure if I had said, you know, if I had gone and said something to him, he would have been very nice and polite and all that. But, uh, but. If I were famous, I don't think I would have the reputation. Not that I would be like a condescending, like stuck up jerk. Right. I would just be myself, and people would take it personally. You know, that's it. It's odd that you mentioned that because um, because when I was working at Blockbuster in Studio City, uh, you know, a lot of famous people came in there, and you know, because they're famous, you take extra note of their behavior. And right. so there are a couple of people, most notably I would say Raven Simone, <laughs> uh, who she was kind of jerky, you know? And so I was just, so I'm like, Raven Simone, she's kind of a jerk. And then I actually stopped myself. I thought, you know what? Is she more, is she more of a jerk than an average customer? Right. Who might, you know, there are customers that are exceedingly polite, but they're the exception. There's just average customers who are just kind of whatever. They want to get in. I'm going to try and sell them something. They won't buy it. And then they leave. And she was no worse than them. And so it's like, but you're just taking extra note because of who they are. There was one celebrity who came in and was dickier than an average customer. He was as <laughs> dicky as a dicky customer. And okay. that was... Uh, Okay, we are we are back. There is you may have noticed a little jump <laughs> there. Um, basically, the conversation got a little too heated, talking shit about celebrities. And Tyler said something about someone that we don't want to offend. Well, okay. Here's the, all right. I'm sorry, David. I apologize. I apologize to you, the listener, because you may be curious who was it. I'm not. I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, all I'm right? not going to tell you either. So uh, don't email us. I'm not going to say it. It's a story that I will that I tell my friends, but I'm not going to tell it over the uh, over the airwaves. So, um, David, I, I apologize that I went too far. It's okay. All right. Now then, now that the episode has come to a screeching halt. Oh, it's all right. I can get right back into it. I got I got another point for you that has nothing to do nothing to do with what we were talking about. Okay, good. Um, I was watching. Have you ever like, you know, uh, there's a director that you really like or an actor or something like that. And you think they're really great, and then they just kind of fall into not necessarily a rut, but they just kind of they do the same thing over and over. And they were brilliant, so uh, but they get into this rut so much that you f- kind of forget how brilliant they were. Okay. Here's the example: I was watching a Simple Plan with my wife the other day. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't seen it in years, and she had never seen it. And in watching it, I'm like, Billy Bob. I I had forgotten how much I absolutely love Billy yeah. Bob Thornton. Yeah, because he's. He's and he's great in Bad Santa. He is really good in it, but he just keeps playing that type of role. Yeah, and it's a shame because he used to be. I mean, if you look at Sling Blade, Simple Plan, Man Who Wasn't There, uh, friggin' uh, what was it, Bandits? You know, which is not <laughs> that good of a, that. it's not that good of a movie, but he's really great in it. You know, and then Primary Colors, like 
he was an actor who had a great deal of range, and now he's just, you know, he's in, what is it? Mr. Woodcock? Mr. Woodcock, uh, School for Scoundrels, uh, Bad News Bears, you know. And he's he's amusing in, in all these, I'm sure. I haven't seen School for Scoundrels or Mr. Woodcock, but, like, he's amusing in them, but, like, it's one of those things, it's like when Soderbergh keeps making Oceans films. It's just yeah. like, to to quote uh, Ebert after he made the first Oceans film, you it's just like, on the show before, yeah, it's so. just he needs to get back to work. And I feel like that with Billy Bob Thornton. And I don't mean that with any animosity. It's He's just, he's a really great actor, and it's he needs to be doing better roles. <laughs> like, he was amazing in Simple Plan. Okay. So, that's all I wanted to say. If Billy Bob Thornton is listening to this, uh, you know... Get back to work. I'm desperately racking my brain right now for a transition. Okay. Like, uh, okay, simple plan. Uh, there's a car in that, but uh, exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. Hang on. Hang on. Now. Uh, was Billy Bob in another movie where they take to the road? Oh, oh, uh. One false move. Okay. Okay. Billy Bob Thornton was also, and I believe he wrote, and I don't remember if he directed. But that's not really a road movie. But nobody's on the road. There's a traveling. Uh, yeah. Sequence and kind of yes. a chase. Of sorts. Okay, yeah. One False Move is fucking great. It is, oh, yeah. It's a great movie. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so we're talking about road movies. <laughs> Clunky as hell, yeah. that transition. This was a uh, listener-suggested topic on the uh, on the Facebook group, which uh, is, uh, you know, it's, it's a runaway train, this Facebook group. And we apparently can't plug it enough. Exactly. Because we keep plugging it. Well, it's, Which we you should. Know, it's fun. It is fun, and it's... And I... You know, I never understood the idea behind, like, an actual, like, a forum type thing. Um, but now I get it. Like, it's, like, you can talk with other listeners. You can talk, you know, it's, now I get the whole idea behind a special thing. It wasn't just one person spouting opinions and maybe you email them or something like that. It's everybody spouting their opinions. <laughs> 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 but uh, anyway, so, and you can suggest topics and we may, uh, we may do it. Like this, like this week. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. All right. Well, uh, Tyler, um, back at, at film school. Yeah. Where we went in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, the city in which we watched A Man for All Seasons in our apartment. <laughs> um, <laughs> you took a class on road movies. That's right. So I think you're going to kind of, uh, which is kind of coincidental that it was a suggested topic. It wasn't yeah. something that you pulled from your, you know, scholarly, <laughs> uh, your, your <laughs> you know, your bag of references because... You had taken the class. It was suggested, and it's just fortuitous that you had taken the class. I do carry around a big bag of references. It's <laughs> it's like Santa's sack. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it is. It's something that I I had thought about doing months ago, but uh, I just thought like, well, for me that's obvious because I took a class, and I don't want to just have it be that. Uh, but as it is a listener suggested topic, then uh, yeah, let's let's go ahead and do it, David. So um, so I've got this big list here, and. Uh, and it's interesting because w- with this topic, many people would be inclined to say that anything that takes place primarily in a car is a road movie. And I don't think that's true at all. Like, there is a very definite... Well, name a movie that takes place primarily in a car that is not a road movie. <sighs> Fast and the Furious. Okay. But I don't know the, that movie The French Connection. Primarily bullet. in a car. Right. And French Connection has very little of it takes place in a car. Big parts of it, though. Okay. You know, uh, Bullet, Ronin, you know, just cars right, just play because a huge cars part. play big, but not, exactly. not, not, not like uh, uh, time, like running time. Right, uh, yeah, to, I guess I that's should, true. Okay. Um, but like, you know, uh, what is it, Mad Max or The Road Warrior? Like, I'm not sure if I would consider those to be road movies. I wouldn't even, Death Race 2000 takes place almost completely in cars, but I don't consider those to be road movies because there's a... I don't know. There, but then there are some movies that where very little of it takes place in a car, but they they count more as road movies because of just the the feel of them. Um, I'm thinking of movies like uh, like Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Sure. Yeah. Where I mean, and that and that of course. I mean, I I'll, I didn't mean to bring that up, but first, but I will because of course that's based on the Odyssey and and all that. Um, <clears throat> the original road movie. The original road movie. That's right. <laughs> if I was if I was teaching a, a class to like ninth grade, uh, you know, freshman or something like, I guess there's there's no tenth grade freshman, um, <laughs> but you know, and I'd be like, 
anytime you try and take something classical and be like, it's like Homer, the original Jack Kerouac or something like that. <laughs> but um, the, the original Greg Araki. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Doom Generation without the Odyssey. Oh, Doom Generation. All right. Um, okay, so someday you and I are going to have it uh, We're going to have it out. We're going to have it out over Greg Araki. No, we're, not but necessarily because I like Mysterious Skin. But here's the difference. Okay, tangent. Okay. Here's the difference between you and me. Okay. And this is just my guess. I, <laughs> okay. I think that when you see Mysterious Skin, you see it as as an improvement or a maturation. Um, yeah, I would, you know, maybe, because he's clearly trying to do something different with uh, the Doom Generation and the Mysterious Skin. I mean, yeah, it's, to it's me, two very different kinds. Mysterious Skin, like, possibly best film of 2005 for me, okay. by the way. Um, it's just a change in style, not right. an improvement. I, I think the artlessness of of his older, you know, Doom Generation, Living End, or mm. you know, Totally Fucked Up, or anything like that, is completely intentional and is is used in service of something. See, and oddly enough, I don't like. I, I feel like the style is the same. I just feel like it's a different emphasis. Like on Mysterious Skin, it's very much, it's a much quieter film with fewer characters, and it's I'd say there's a greater emphasis on, you know, the actors and that kind of thing, whereas uh, Doom Generation, like, it seems to be more focused on events, you know, and there's not a yeah. lot of character development because, of course, the theory is that there's no character to develop in these people. Yeah, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah anyway. it's about events and ideas. And yeah. I, um, it, the first time I saw the Doom Generation, I had heard so much about it, mm-hmm. and I was I was shocked by it because it was... Not what I expected at all, and yeah. I wasn't sure how I felt about that. Yeah, but I spent some time with it, and I actually really like the Doom Generation, and totally understand why someone would hate it because it's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> is the is the right word for it, and you know, and I haven't seen it in years, but I mean, you know, and I'll say this: I mean, it it really does fit the idea of a road movie. I mean, yeah. in reference to today's topic, I mean, and I guess I guess now would be a good time to specify what we would consider to be a road movie like what like what are the what are the main points of that genre i mean it's not it may not necessarily be a car but so what is it you know david what what would you consider to be a road movie like the broad template for a road movie you want me to give you examples or uh just just in very broad strokes like just right it's uh it's I think it, it has to do with the the character's journey, like right. metaphorical journey, being made literal through a journey. Right. And and uh, I think, uh, as far as the requirements, I think it has it almost almost by definition has to be episodic. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd say in the in the most basic strokes, it, it has to be it has to be that, which is why like a movie like Into the Wild counts as a road movie sure, even though yeah. I don't remember how much of it takes place like in a car a lot of it's on foot some of it's in a canoe I mean but it's really just a function of somebody road movies by by their nature always never really feel 100% realistic because as characters go along on the road they meet other characters and the characters they meet are very seldom 100% realistic they have to be a an archetype of some kind, um, sure, yeah. which is why Into the Wild manages to kind of uh, not necessarily transcend the, jo- the genre because that implies that the genre is like lesser or anything like that. But just you know, you get a, a character like Hal Holbrook, uh, Hal Holbrook's character in that, and who is a fully formed uh, character. But then you get, but like most of the time in road movies, you get somebody who is representative of you know a stage in the main character's life or something like that. And um, they have to either either that person teaches them something about themselves or like in a movie like The Straight Story, which is a is a road movie, but it's of a different kind. He that character, he does go on. He does go on a journey. It's an emotional journey uh, to go and see his brother who he has had a falling out with a long time ago. Um, But along the way and along the way, he meets a lot of people and the people are always kind of, you know, they're that David Lynch kind of odd Uh middle America. Uh, But he teaches them along the way. They don't have a huge impact on him. Like the very fact that he's making this journey, it's like he's already arrived at where he needs to be emotionally. And 
so he's in a good place to be dispensing advice and that kind of thing to to other characters. Um, to, based on what you just said, it sort of changes the, the subject here. You okay. mentioned David Lynch, who is right. thematically at least um, uh, an essentially American director. Yeah, uh, and it seems like road movies are generally an American genre mm-hmm. uh, because of, I guess, the expanse of our nation and the and the fact that our our national uh, narrative, you know, uh, westward expansion, manifest destiny, has to do with the traveling west. Right. You know, the the movement of our uh, of of our of our uh, of our people. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like I mean there are there are exceptions. You know, there's a movie that I've met recommended on the show before called In July, which is a German film, oh, yeah. which is definitely a road movie and uh, definitely takes place in Germany. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's no question. There's like everything is illuminated. Oh, uh, yeah. Is a road movie which takes place in in uh, Eastern Europe, yeah. but then again, that is a that's a very American movie, and it's about right. an American character, right? Uh, but yeah, it, d- it does seem like the, the road movie speaks to something American. Yeah. Um, did this come up in your class at all? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it it did a little bit. Um, just the idea of like characters being dissatisfied where they are right now, and because in America, almost e- like. Each city, I mean, they're kind of similar to each other, but like, you know, Denver, Colorado is very different than New Orleans. I mean, they're just so culturally, like, it's such a culturally diverse country that if you don't like where you are, drive for about three days and you'll be in a very different, not only a different place as far as location, but just culturally a very different place. And uh, you mentioned New Orleans makes me think of another David Lynch movie, Wild at Heart, which is definitely a road movie. Yeah. so let's see. Okay, so um, I've got so I've got I've got my big list here of uh, of road movies, and I tend to like the ones I I enjoy road movies. I mean, do you do you like them? Oh yeah, sure. Okay, a, uh, it, it it taps into like a sort of romantic, and again, a very American way of romanticizing the road. Yeah, you know, and you think uh, it makes makes you want to travel. You know, it's the same. I watch the Travel Channel for the same reasons. Like I think, oh man, I would love to to go there. What would I do if I were there? And that's sort of what uh, you know. The, that's that's the romanticism of the road movie. It's it's odd. One of my one of my happiest recent memories, and it sounds very strange. Uh, I drove from Chicago to Springfield, Missouri. Uh, by myself it's it's only an eight hour drive it's one day and i basically that's where my mom lives my brother and his son were visiting and it was in december of 2006 and basically what had happened was i had just stopped working at blockbuster (laughs) and i would be picking up my employment again in california like a month and a half later but I literally the day before was my last day at Blockbuster for a solid month and a half to two months. So I was that already excited me. But then also it's just I'm gonna go see my brother, who I hadn't seen in a long time. And I just on my no, iPod, I, you're talking about Blockbuster again, and you're getting upset. I don't want to <laughs> don't go down that road again. <laughs> anyway, so I to stop again. <laughs> Freaking Joan Cusack. Actually, Joan Cusack was very nice. Um, I will turn this podcast right around. <laughs> What's odd is that Joan Cusack, she came into the Blockbuster in Chicago. Well, yeah, she's a Chicago... The I know. Cusacks are Chicago people. I know, but it's I, I like that one of my celeb- celebrity Blockbuster moments was not in L.A. I enjoy that. But anyway. Okay. Um, but, like, I, you know, music and, and driving on the road, like, they go together very well. So on my iPod, I had made a playlist that would have lasted me a... Very solid chunk of time, uh-huh. probably about four of the eight hours. Right. Um, and uh, when it ran out, I'm like, hey, what's this podcast? Never not funny. And so then I started listening to that. But um, but yeah, it's it's hard to explain, but it is it was one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite mem- memories of like the last three or four years, just because like especially like if you're traveling alone, because yeah. you can stop. And I stopped at this place. Right outside, uh, oh, I forget Rolla. Right outside Rolla, Missouri, call and it's called Home Cooking, <laughs> and it's like oh, awesome. Because David, as you know, I like the I like you know American diners and that yeah. kind of thing. Did you ever eat an iron skillet? No, I didn't. Oh, those are good. I, I bet it was. Damn, I'm hungry now. Because it's um, like serious, like truck stop places. Like everyone yeah. and all the booths around you is you know 
three hundred pounds, <laughs> and much of that is beard. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just eating greasy, greasy hash browns and. Um, yeah, exactly. And so, like, I went into home cooking, cause, not to eat, oddly enough, but because uh, I, 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 oh, I squandered my appetite at a freaking Ruby Tuesdays, and uh, and so like <laughs> I went in and and literally. Like, you know, earlier I talked about, like, when you're on the, you know, when characters are on the road, they run into, like, archetypes. And then you realize those archetypes kind of real because I went into home cooking and sure enough, like you said, yeah. you just see these guys and you're like, wow. <laughs> I d-. It's like, it's a room full of John Goodman. And just, you know, and in every way, just just genial, happy, friendly people, you know. An old lady, probably named Doris, behind the counter. Just, it was really great, and it's just like, man, this is. It's very, like you said, it's very American, and like, and road movies just tap into that. The idea of like stopping in, seeing a world that is very much not yours, and then you got to move on and see yeah. another one. At the same time, though, I want to go back to those stere- those those genial stereotypes. Okay, <laughs> here's the thing. You know, a lot of people who come from small towns have a fear of the big city. Yeah. They fear that they're going to go to the big city immediately get stabbed or mugged or raped yeah. or something. I have the exact same fear of small towns. Hmm. Literally. Like, I am terrified. Like, if I'm on a road trip and I have to stop at a gas station that's in a small town, yeah, I'm scared that they're going to decide, look at this guy. He's just passing through. We could, <laughs> we could kidnap him and rape him and kill him. And no one would ever know that he was here. He's just passing through. No, he doesn't know anybody around here. That's true. And I feel like that small towns attract those kind of people. So just just know that all those Doris and all her big John Goodman like buddies, <laughs> exactly. maybe well, they're fat because they ate tourists. Yeah, you know? and if, and if and if you were if you were gay, they would beat the shit out of you. Yeah, but who you know who would go into that place and be like, hey everybody, I'm gay and I want some <laughs> gas, um, but. Uh, <laughs> that is odd. Uh, just the idea of, regardless, no matter where you're from, the place that is not that f- scares you to death. You know, yeah. Um, like it's not. It's, I, I wanted to just to to clarify. It's not like elitism or anything like that. I don't right. think that I'm better or smarter yeah. than these people. Uh, I just think that small towns seem to be a, an ideal place for uh, your run-of-the-mill serial killer psycho rapist. Exactly. I mean, and not even not even small towns, but like and I have become fascinated. This is this is, you know, this seems off topic, but at the same time like road movies get you thinking about this type of thing. I mean, it uh-huh. gets like I I frequently am angry that I only have one life to live as as strange as that may sound because there are times where I'm like where I'll be driving through, and I drive through. I'll drive through a town of like nine hundred people. Yeah, I'm angry that you watch One Life to Live. <laughs> He's always taping it. I gotta I'm watch sure. my programs. <laughs> I gotta watch my stories. Um, All right, go on. That was a bad joke. And yeah, I, yeah. I had to stop the podcast to say it. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe we can edit that. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, anyway, so uh, but like I'm fascinated when I drive through these nine hundred person towns and you know the whole reason this town exists is because of the there's a highway through it you yeah. know and people need to stop for gas or a hotel or something to eat and that's it and so like i always thought like if i'm on the run for the, from the mob or i just need to get away from my life or something like that move to those towns like who Robert would, out of the past exactly who would ever think of looking for you there except of course in out of the past they find him right but <laughs> it's just like like those i mean like I get what you're saying, just those places are so anonymous. Like, who would ever think of looking for you there if yeah. you're dead? I but mean, they're not as closed off to the rest of the world as they were in in you know 47. Or that's whatever, true. Out of the past that's was true. made. What year was out of the past made? Uh, I, I want to say 47. That sounds right to me. Um, uh, you know, people have they got the internet and they, and they and people in small towns are very curious. Yeah. Uh, here's here's another here's another story. Okay, I had a friend. Uh, named uh, named Jamie, and she lived in Bowling Green, Missouri, okay. uh, which makes Bowling Green, Kentucky, look like a bustling metropolis. <laughs> <laughs> Bowling Green, Missouri, has maybe two thousand people. Definitely fewer people than went to my high school. Okay, um, and uh, I had met her elsewhere, and then I went up one day to visit her. It was maybe like a two hour drive from St. Louis, uh, and I got there in the morning, uh, and and we hung out for a while, and then we decided to go out to the local diner down on Main Street, okay, for lunch. 
And the waitress was like, so this is the fellow who came to visit you today, Jamie. Like, the whole <laughs> fucking town knew that I was there three hours later. Exit town today. <laughs> everybody put on your game face. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's like everybody just, we got to put that fence back up, you know, to cover up the corpse pile. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, when Jen and I were driving from uh, Chicago to uh to LA. I mean, that's a big long story that I won't say right now, but we were stranded in a place called Vega, Texas, which had about 800 people in it. Uh-huh. And uh, even then, looking at the buildings, I'm like, how do 800 people fit here? Like, this <laughs> it was very small. And uh, we were snowed in with like two feet of snow and just like, and when it came time to like eat, it, you know, because of the snow, a lot of places were closed, but there weren't that many places in the first place. Uh-huh. So I talked to the guy at the hotel. I said, hey, where's there to eat? He's like, well, there's a Dairy Queen, and then there's a truck stop. And I'm like, well, okay. So I drive by. So we drive, and we're not going to eat a Dairy Queen because that's ridiculous, and and turns out it's closed anyway, so it's tr- the truck stop. Yeah, you know people go to Dairy Queen, and they get, like, burgers and stuff? I, Isn't that uh, weird? I was, on an, I was on another road trip with uh, Chris Carner, a uh, listener, and, um, and we stopped at a Dairy Queen, and we got, like, hot dogs and stuff, and... Uh, <laughs> Did not work out well, David. Uh, yeah. It was not not good. Dairy Queen is for ice cream. Exactly. Yeah, it's right there in the name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't get my ice. I don't. I don't get my ice cream at Burger King. Right. You know. Um, but uh, but I went into this truck stop, and again, it seemed like something out of freaking Thelma and Louise yeah, or something like, like about that. Movies. Exactly. <laughs> but it, it, it just like it's one of those things. Like it was really snowy, and like the lights outside were really creepy and it's like and you walked in and it was weird because like it was very ethnically diverse and i'm just like huh i think a horror movie is about to happen because we're all stuck in one <laughs> or maybe place an impromptu presentation of bus stop by exactly. william Inge. oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be awesome because because uh, i know all my lines um but uh anyway yeah so it's just these neat little places i mean like a good a good road movie will just remind you of every road trip you've ever taken where you're just like yeah man you got it absolutely right i wish i had i wish i had gotten the opportunity to talk to that person for like 10 more minutes you know or something like that Uh just find out their whole life story and then i'd then i'd move on but you don't get that opportunity and that's why road movies are so cathartic for me um so let's talk about a road movie absolutely yeah okay (laughs) so there's easy rider david that Uh, was one good one yeah uh i i remember I, i didn't I didn't care for it that much uh, when I first saw it. And then, of course, I saw it again in my road movies class. And that's an interesting one because that's one where characters, they hit the road only to find one negative thing after another. Everybody hates them. Um, You know, what do you think about that? I mean, it's very, very much. It taps into my fear of (laughs) of the road very much. Yeah, they, you know, they kill poor Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Uh, Spoiler, I guess. Uh, (laughs) And then they... You know, they finally get to a, a real city, right? They go to New Orleans, where they get to they get to take acid. And they sure do, and no one fucks with them. Yeah, uh, and then as soon as they get back on the road, yeah, they get killed again. So uh, yeah, I like Easy Rider because its theme is that uh, cities are havens for yeah. <laughs> so you like Easy Rider and you like Deliverance because you're just like <laughs> uh, I know I know what you guys are about. Um, Deliverance is a fantastic film, by the way. You know, oddly enough, I've only seen clips from it here and there. I've never seen the whole thing. I, I think it, it's a movie sort of like, say, Rocky or Saturday Night Fever that yeah. has such a it has such a reputation for one aspect of it. Yeah, you know that it for people who haven't seen it and have grown up knowing that reputation can think that it's cheesy. Yeah, but I'm here to tell you that Saturday Night Fever, Deliverance, and to some extent Rocky are all really fantastic movies that I was surprised at how much I liked when I finally saw them. Yeah, I keep meaning to watch Deliverance, because, I, I, as you know, I like Ned Beatty. Yeah, it's um, a really great movie. But uh, now, here's okay. Here's a movie that I don't even know if it's on DVD. If it is, seek it out. I like it a lot. It's called Candy Mountain. Oh, uh, with Kevin, Kevin J. J. O'Connor. O'Connor. Yeah, and, uh, and, Dr. John. and Dr. John and Tom Waits. And uh, Laurie Metcalf and yeah. Joe Strummer. Uh, yes, I think so. He's at the beginning, right? I, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. And, oh, and David Johansson is oh, in it. Oh, right. Uh, and, uh, and of course, there's Rocket's Red Glare. <laughs> you remember him? 
he's dead now, I think. But uh, you know, and that's and that's a movie that's all about. Like there are some road movies where a character will just set out on the road and that's it. They're not. They don't. They're not really thinking about the road. Candy Mountain. It's all about the road. I mean, the yeah. characters talk about it. You know, just how, just how, just being in a car all day is exhausting, and how you know it's like you know when you, it's like eh, it's not what it used to be. A lot. Everybody's paranoid. Everybody hates each other. It used to be, you know, in the '60s and stuff. You go out on the road. You can stop in. Somebody will. Somebody will be like, "Oh, you're on the road. Come on over to my place. Have an apple pie or something." <laughs> you know. Now everyone's just like. You know, they got their doors locked and they're just shutting you out. And well, then that movie is about it's a it's a quest to find a guy who makes a guitar. Right, right. Uh, so that movie is definitely about the the correlation between rock and roll and the road. Right, right. Uh, th- those two are completely intertwined. Yeah. Uh, at this point, and it's and it's just a it's just a real and of course I mean it's freaking littered with musicians. So of yeah. course there's it's hard to hard to miss. But um, <laughs> Doctor John, I forgot he was in the he's in a wheelchair, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so that's Candy Mountain. See it if you can. Uh, then there's probably one of my favorites, if not my absolute favorite, which is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Okay. And that's an interesting one because it's it's a buddy movie, and I guess there's a lot of there's a lot of overlap between buddy movies and road movies. I would say, um, because just being on the road with somebody, you just kind of naturally bond with them, even if you don't like them. Yeah. And in uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, um, Steve Martin. And John Candy, and of course I love John Candy in that movie, but uh, they're just so opposite, and they just keep finding themselves in situations where they have to be together. Like they don't really, they don't encounter a lot of a lot of like really crazy characters. I mean, they've got a couple. They've got Edie McClurg, who's the car rental uh, lady, and then, um, but they keep encountering each other. You know, that's the constant. That's two, there's two leads. But they're not. They're on the road together. They're just. They just don't want to be together, <laughs> and uh, you know. And that one, the journey is, is to get home. But the actual journey is to actually learn to let in a stranger. You know, emotionally, and just mm-hmm. realize that there's more to them than what you think they are. You know, and uh, it's a very touching movie, but it's very funny as well. Um, and then there's. Uh, and it's the. It's. Uh, I, I also like that movie because it's a road movie that takes place almost chiefly in the Midwest, uh, yes, as opposed yes. to you know the desert and the Southwest, which are very right. you know photogenic and, and yeah. cinematically alluring places to set a road movie. But that's and that they shot in in and around St. Louis and oh, yeah. and, uh, and all through Illinois and all over the Midwest in that movie. Yeah, they they picked the parts of the Midwest that are forgettable, and if you do remember them at all, you remember that they're ugly. Um, <laughs> and it's just. Yeah, and I feel like that's you know, I you know as much as I love road movies where it's just like it's like oh we've gone from the you know the Rocky Mountains down to the Sahara Desert well not the Sahara but you know the yeah. death of, yeah, this is a long road movie <laughs> they drove on a boat as it went across the ocean they got to do that Indiana Jones thing with the red lines going across the map <laughs> exactly. to get to that movie um, but like yeah but like mo- movies like planes trains and automobiles and uh, and about Schmidt. Mm-hmm. where it just and I like about Schmidt especially because that's a movie that just it's a very american movie and it just questions all these idea all these american ideas the idea of just like oh if you you know if you've got family that you know that you love uh and you and if you're married to somebody for years and years oh it's a respectful thing and it's just like well I kind of hate my wife <laughs> and then I my job proved to be completely inconsequential and so like in act 2 he goes out on the road because what's more American than that? That's where you're going to find your answers, and he finds nothing. He finds no answers at all. He goes back to his old, his old college, his old town, and stuff, and and he's, and it's of course it's a very bleak midwestern landscape. Yeah, N- not even just bleak. It's just flat and whatever. Nebraskan. It's Nebraska. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, sorry if anybody's in Nebraska, but you know what's going on. Um, <laughs> There's another one. Why do I keep offending people today? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I, <laughs> I like the ones that just say, "All right, look, we all know it's like we we would like to imagine this country is just you know amber waves of grain and everything, but uh, and purple mountains, majesties, and other things from that <laughs> song. But uh, most of it is just flat and dead. Enjoy. Um, but uh, when are the mountains purple? I know that uh, maybe that's even like hacked to even bring that up, <laughs> but I never really understood. Like, um, 
Yeah, c- certainly the, the waves of grain are amber. There's no uh, question abs- there. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it maybe like at sunset? Do they look purplish? I guess. I mean, I lived in Denver, you know, in the shadow of the mountains for and the Colorado many Rockies years. have purple. Uh, one of, that's the, like one of their colors. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, who is I, I remember them mostly as brown and green and sometimes white. Yeah, uh, I didn't get a lot of purple in there. So, uh, listeners. Anybody who lives near mountains, uh, let us know when the mountains turn purple. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I also because I I grew up a certain uh, you know in St. Louis near the Mississippi River, and right. I always question the idea that water is blue because certainly <laughs> the Mississippi River <laughs> is is brown and sometimes green exactly. and sometimes shiny. <laughs> yeah, and not that cool uh, Chicago River during St. Patrick's Day green, just like the kind of green. It's just like hmm. Somebody just vomited a lot. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and oddly enough, here's, here's a... I, li- I, I like road movies that, that, are, that mix genres. So, like, I'd say Children of Men is a road movie. I guess. It, uh, it, but it seems more like a, like a chase movie. Yeah, I than, suppose. Than a road movie. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't feel as episodic as a road movie needs to be. It doesn't have that sort of... The again to use the word romantic, the yeah. ambling, meandering uh, romanticism of, because they have to get somewhere fast. It yeah, it is pretty fast paced. But like I, Although, I'd say okay. it's a. Oh, I'm sorry, what I was, was going to change to another movie, but if oh. you've got more to say there, it is a, it is a pretty good blend of like sci-fi and absolutely a chase movie. But it does have you know the characters will stop and sometimes they'll be helped by somebody, sometimes they'll be you know hurt by somebody. Um, so in that way, it is kind of a, a road movie, but the fact that it's so fast-paced, I'd say, makes it more of a chase movie. But it does have some of the some of the trappings of a road film. But uh, now there's another movie that also they have to get to their destination quickly, but it's a quintessential road movie for me, mm-hmm. and that's Two Lane Blacktop. Oh yeah, is that on your list? It sure is. Oh good, because um, uh, what I like about that movie is that it's about a car race. Yeah. But it features characters <laughs> who are so placid, and uh, I'm thinking of a word that I've only ever read, so I'm not going to try and say it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but just like there, the, there's no, there's no feeling of energy to these characters. They sort of like meander through life, and they don't really. Yeah, and I guess you know, spoiler, they don't even get to their destination. They lose interest. Yeah. Basically, I forget what what's at stake. I believe somebody. I believe they stand to win a car. Yeah. Like it's it's uh, this one guy played by Warren Oates who is awesome. Yeah, he's. Great. And then these these other guys. One of them is James Taylor. I, I'm sorry, I don't remember the other guy. But it's um, uh, Dennis Wilson. Dennis Wilson. Okay. And uh, you know, and it's like, and it's like, okay, we got this. We got this wager going. Whoever gets so and so first gets the other person's car. I think is that what it was. Yeah. Because they had mailed the pink slips to a post office right, box right. in like Baltimore or someplace right. on the East Coast, and so the first one that gets there, and just, and you think like, wow, they're they're just gonna power through. They're not gonna sleep. Meanwhile, they'll like stop and stay overnight, all night in a hotel, sleep in probably, and yeah. then just, <laughs> and then yeah, at the end, I mean, they're just so, so bored and disaffected that they're just like, whatever. I feel like doing something else now, and they don't even get—they don't even get their own pink slips back. Yeah, and so it's—you know—there's another one where it's just like, yeah, it's a clear goal that eventually nobody's interested in, in achieving. Um, That's what I love about that movie. That, that movie yeah. definitely speaks to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, because every time on, I'm on a road trip, like that eight-hour one, I—I I loved it. I really did. But like. Right around hour number seven, I'm just like, you know what? I just want to be there. I want to. <laughs> I don't want to be on the road anymore. Um, but uh, okay, so let's see here. Now there's there is. Uh, did you ever see Broken Flowers? I don't remember. Yeah, I saw Broken okay, Flowers. and uh, I'd say that one very much counts as a, as a road movie. But what what's interesting about it, the the, tr- the twist that they put on it, is that he doesn't. Like most people, there's most road movies. There's a clear beginning and then there's a clear ending or a clear goal. With this one, each stop he makes along the way could be the goal. You know what I mean? Right. Like you, he goes to see five women, and 
and each one, the first one he sees could be the the mother of his kid. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that could be the end of the movie right there. And then the fact that at the end he still doesn't know which one it is. You know. Yeah. Uh, and I've always a lot of people speak ill of Broken Flowers because they're just like, oh, freaking Bill Murray, he's always just so stone faced and all that. And and what I try and tell them is like, is like, hang on, it's like. He's very he is very stone faced, but it's not like he's not doing anything. He's playing a character who doesn't who won't let people in emotionally. But don't look at what he's the way he looks. Don't look at his energy level. Look at what he's doing. He keeps talking about how stupid this trip is, but he never stops. He always will go from place to place. And that should tell you that no matter what he may be showing you inside, he's desperate. He is so, so desperate. You know, and then there at the very end, he he loses all his all facades and he just goes running you know not in the car anymore he is literally at this point running at full speed after somebody because he just wants human connection so badly um yeah i i really enjoy broken flowers and and it puts an interesting spin on uh on the genre um anything else you had to get to today none that i really have to i think we've covered pretty much uh, everything that i had do you've got do you have anything in in mind nope (laughs) <laughs> I was flying by the seat of my pants today, and I think it went well. It really? Oh. I, 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 I feel like uh, this is a good episode. Okay. Once again, much like the days in the episode, the listener is listening and going, <laughs> it's not a good episode. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so uh, I, I guess there's also Thelma and Louise. Uh, you mentioned it. Okay. <laughs> fa- check well, it off. Yeah, but so many of these are, I mean, almost all these movies are very male-centric. You know, oh, and so yeah. Thelma and Louise is the only one where it's like two women going out. And I mean, that whole movie is about, you know, these women just who one of them previously very dominated by her husband and then the other who has been, you know, very abused by men. And so it's about them getting their independence back and all that. And so I think it's only fitting that they take over what I would say is stereotypically a male genre of film. Well, don't forget Crossroads with Britney Spears. Oh, my gosh. You're absolutely right. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> Damn it, David. Why do you have to end the podcast like this? It's the only way to go out. I'm going to edit my it's, fist it's, right into your face. It's the most poignant way to go out. <laughs> Leave the audience thinking about Britney Spears. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, yeah, so if anybody has anything to uh, to add, you can email us at battleshippretension at hotmail.com, or you can go on the Facebook group. I only mention that because that's where it was first suggested. Yeah. So um, if you want to know who Tyler talks shit about, uh, email me, and I will not tell you. Exactly. I may tell you. No, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Um, so, yeah, and we're, I am sorry. David, I am sorry for uh That's the first time you ever had that. to edit in the middle I of know. episode. I know. I wasn't expecting it, and it was one of those things where it happened to be somebody that's just like, oh, shoot, we've picked, I've picked exactly the wrong person to bitch about. <laughs> so I'm sorry, listeners. Uh, but, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll get you next time. All right, bye. Bye.